0: Have you always wanted to learn how to play the harp, but have no idea where to start? I've been wanting to put together a course that would inspire lovers of the harp just starting on their journey. The Your Harp Adventure series starts this June. I walk you through the basics of getting comfortable with your instrument, making music and reading music as well. You'll have access to a live Facebook group once a week where you can ask questions and meet up with other harp players, just starting on their musical journeys. I know there's so much information out there and because of that, I want you to feel the progress that you will be making. The video lessons are no more than 10 minutes each, giving you bite-sized chunks of information that won't be overwhelming. Plus, you can rewatch any of the videos and learn in your own time. Plus, you'll have access to a community of learners from around the world cheering you on, with me included, and that includes PDFs of music and guides and templates. For more information, head on over to moonoverthetrees.com lessons. Welcome to Harp Song, presented by Moon Over the Trees Music and Theater Productions, bringing people together through collaboration, creativity, and community all through the arts. Thank you for joining us this week. I'm your host, Maureen Buscarino, and I hope to inspire you and to help you discover amazing music and artists from around the world. part two of my interview with harpist, historian, teacher, and one of the leading figures in the modern international revival of the early Irish harp, Anne Heyman. In part two of our interview, Anne and I are joined by Kathy D'Angelo, the director of the Somerset Folk Harp Festival, who, along with Siobhan Armstrong of the Historical Harp Society of Ireland, are each giving Anne Lifetime Achievement Awards this summer. This chat is really where Anne and I talk about how the harp is an icon. As Anne said, that she's very grateful to have the instrument in her life, and it is her full joy and inspiration. We discuss the mythology of the harp, The Dagda, the Dadanans, the legends and metaphors embedded in the harp. As Anne says, I realized that encoded within the legends are all of these metaphors which connect. It makes it magic, it makes it true, it makes it real. It's like a formula embedded, trying to connect the whole world and life. Music was magic. Anne talks about being addicted to aha moments and how she loves teaching and learns so much from her students and finds that the feedback she gets in lessons is is really nice. Anne is always learning and wanting to gain more insight into her own playing, which has prompted her to release a new version of her first tutorial on the harp, The Secrets of the Gaelic Harp, the second book will be entitled Secrets of the Gaelic Harp in the Second manner, We also discuss highlights of her career, including her time at Granard and her first harp competition there. And said so that Granard made her, made a real difference because it made her start thinking about what she was doing more seriously and gave her more of a responsibility for what she was doing with the harp. We also talk about how Anne discovered playing with coupled hands. We also get a glimpse into Anne's work with the Telenron harp. It's the horsehair harp. Um, And we talk about the project that she worked on where she premiered that harp at the Brecon Cathedral and uh, Tewkesbury Abbey. That recording has not been released, but Anne has been so generous. She sent me a little preview for you, so you can hear what this amazing harp sounds like. Um, so look out in the future. I'm I'm working with Anne to see if we can get some of the um, the Telenron pieces that she has available uh, that she has recorded already to see if we can get those up maybe um, online so people can listen to them so this is a just a really great fun interview and I hope you enjoy it and a big thanks to the folks at Temple Records in Scotland for giving me permission to use some of Anne's recordings on the podcast so check out their website at templerecords.co.uk and without further ado, here is part two of my interview with Anne Heyman. So what are some highlights of your musical journey so far that, that excite you or that you um, are so proud of or just... Were inspiring to you, Dominique Dodge. When I mentioned that I was interviewing you, she mentions that you have a, a this magic about what what you're discovering and how you discover the music and play and 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 all of your research too. So, where do you find that magic through your career?
1: The harp. In reading about the mythology of the instrument, I started. That's where I recognized the three parts of the harp as being gendered. And it's connected with the name of the Dagda, the head head god of the Dadanans. His harper, also his instrument, his name actually defines the three parts of the harp. And I realized that encoded within the legends are all of these uh, metaphors which connect. It makes it magic. It makes it true. It makes it real. It's like a formula embedded. You know, these are the people that gave us uh, astrology. You know, these there's a connecting, trying to connect the whole world, and and life and the music. It was music was magic, and it wasn't black and white to be written down. Music is three dimensional, and so when I when I when I play, I feel like I'm, I'm I'm sculpting, but I feel like a sculptor who is sort of finding the form. In in the tree or in the clay, something like that. The medium and and uh, uh, the voice of the harp very much directs me and says right or wrong. And there is so much sensitivity now in in the playing, and and certain things become matter of fact. So I don't don't have to uh, be so stressed in play, but it, it really is to allow the harp to speak, the harp directs me. Mm. When I compose music, I don't do it here and I don't do it on the page, I do it on the harp. And my hands have become a good servant for it, but it is like the harp composes, the harp arranges, Mm. even though, because my hands are trained by it. And I have to try it on the harp and I find it. But now I can hear music And I hear music of different forms, and I'm starting to hear, oh, I could play that because I'm now hearing it as as, I could play that because this is how I would do it. So it's starting to set up, and I look forward to redoing my work with, um, and I haven't done a lot of it, but I've been pleased with what I did with Plain Chant, but I realized that most of the work was done as a right-handed player, and so I've done this much with as – as a left-handed player, and I know what works. Hmm. I'm excited to work with these things, but I'm really loving teaching now. And this is something that I'm learning. I'm learning so much from my students now. And, and I wake up in the morning and I have all these these ideas, these little breakthroughs, and that are exciting as can be. And I'm addicted, addicted to aha moments.
0: Mm. What What are like some of those aha moments that you've had with your students? Let's say
1: describing on, on uh, uh, how to use fingers as post, posting fingers. Hmm. And in, in working with my students in these, these last years, I've come to realize that uh, a, a bunting says, uh, as soon as a harp player would strike a string, as soon as a string is struck, another finger is there to instantly damp. Hmm. And so now I, and some of these things are in hue. and I was slow. I didn't want to throw everything in Hue to Irish music till I, you know, till it had been vetted. And, and in time, certain things became very useful and apparent. And so I'm not saying it did exist, but I started training that way. But now I have a system of cover damping from below and cover damping from above. And I'm working on redoing my secrets of the Gaelic harp. Wow. (laughs) And it's because I already played Dennis O'Hamsey's Burns March, and I did it with the staccato and legato fingering that is described of O'Hamsey, and I thought, and and I did it with replacement damping, and then with the other two two tunes of of Burns, of collected from Quinn, and he he actually they have three tunes: Fair Molly, Quinn's Burns March, which is different from Dennis O'Hamsey's, and the Butterfly. And so I reversed engineered them because this is the ultimate here in playing. So I just used the three tunes in front to train up so you could play fourth. But people still had trouble playing up with four. And through the years, I recognized, oh, I don't like this. I don't like that. What can I do? And I didn't see a different way. Hmm. And it was through teaching and through constantly trying to think about it that I had an aha moment. So I'm I'm doing this and I'm calling it Secrets of the Gaelic Harp in the second manner
0: Hmm. because
1: there was an 18th century horseman, uh, Bochet who, who wrote a a horsemanship instructional and everyone copied him and it was controversial. And then 40 years later, he, uh, actually had an accident and a chandelier fell on him and partially crippled him. Anyhow, he, um, had a total change of heart, and so he wrote, and this was in French, but translates to in the second manner, hmm. so that's what I'm doing, and I've realized that these first tunes, fare it's only for the left hand, Bunting said to fix the fingers, well, it didn't mean that, it meant to fix the hand, hmm. and he crosses out hand and writes in fingers, and it's because to train the treble hand first because once you put in the base hand, it receives all the attention, just like the boys do in school. (laughs) They get all the attention somehow, and and this hand sort of does things naturally. It's a beautiful accompaniment, Hmm. but to sort of train up this hand before doing this. Hmm. And each line of Fair Molly or Molly Vaughn has something to teach in terms of technique and phrasing. So it is not just, these are not just pedagogical tunes, like learn this, 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 this. They are to go through and then, okay, now you're never going to go back to them, and now you're free to play. No. And and instead, they are teaching technique right from the get-go, because Hmm. this is where, when people are beginning, where they will actually work on these things. And so, and I didn't learn this when I was going around gallivanting around and giving workshops, because... People want to go in and play, blah, 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 and look at, you know, and go through. And I have three more, five more tunes to go through. Mm. So now I only teach people who want to play on the left shoulder, want to play with Nicole tuning, and, and want to work on these first tunes, even if they are advanced players, till they can really learn them. Mm. And I'm teaching in an oral system. I, I have a compliment, but doing this with video, what's really nice about lessons is the feedback. And, and I have my students make lessons, uh, uh play, uh, during the week, do a question, send a question, hmm. but this is good because then they can assess themselves. When I respond and say, well, you're doing blah, blah, blah. They can look at the video and go, oh my gosh, that's what she needs. Oh, and in sure. live, you wouldn't do that.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, 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 I totally agree with you on teaching. You know, it's one thing to understand it, but then when you have to teach it, it's it's a whole other understanding of what you're doing and why you're doing it, and so. Yes.
2: But
1: see, I didn't understand what I was doing. I did what I was doing. I mean, I did put some conscious effort, but initially, when I won granted, I was playing by hook or by crook. And by give, being given that award, I thought, oh my gosh, I have to really up my game. <laughs> what, what what should I do? I need to do better. Mm. And that, I sort of made a leap forward. And, and continually, but I didn't know what I was doing. And I would, I would say, oh well, don't do this or don't do this. And sometimes I just say it because it seemed right because I didn't have a clue. No one taught me, you see. Sure. And so now I use my hands very differently. I use my hands into into the strings, so I don't put the energy. If you're playing and I'll say modified pedal harp technique, you place but you close your hand and come away from the strings. Instead, I play into the strings mm. so that I'm, I'm, I use the term pounce now, so they come in and land. As I play, I land other fingers there and they they help support the striking finger and the striking finger is oftentimes pressing or playing, playing this way, but they support each other. Mm. A little bit like in this, I've used this a long time. If you're opening a jammed cupboard and there's things on the door, You could jerk it and get it open, but to open it with strength and control, your other hand goes on the gem and Mm. you can pull it.
0: Right.
1: So uh, sort of like that.
0: You inspire so many players through your – not only through your – your research, but through your playing, your technique, and the fact that you're so humble with what you're doing after that you can say like, wait, you know what, I want to change things. I want to make things different. I want to, you know, <laughs> so I, I just to always be that interested in learning and growing. Um, and, you know, I think that's a testament to your thirst for knowledge, um, and wanting to keep understanding and, and, and grow with that. So I don't, I don't think as many people would be as humble with the technique sort of thing and wanting to record an, uh, an album again um, to redo it. Cause you're like, you know what? I think, I think this is the way it should be and let me try it this way. So that sense of adventure in that way.
1: There is a sense of adventure and I've got plenty of new pieces because I've found ways I am understanding ways now to do uh, connect words with songs that I, I couldn't do before. And now I see a way through it. So I'm excited about new material too, but Pablo Casal was asked, you still uh, practice, and why? Mm -hmm. And Casal answers, because I think I'm getting better.
0: (laughs) 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 my gosh. Um, So, Kathy, did you want to add something to that? Like, while we're, because I saw you nodding your head to the. I
2: I was thinking of that Pablo Casal's quote, just as you were saying it <laughs> <laughs> wow. really amazing because it's so interesting that at this point in a, a really a long career a long and distinguished career you're still evolving and discovering new things I mean just the fact that you're not resting on a, a laurel you know laurels that you that you have. I mean, you've you've pioneered all of these things, but you're still evolving, because as we know, in being a musician, that it just keeps opening new doors. Yes, it,
1: it, it is it is like that, and and I will also say that I know I can play music, but I am not perfect. I am not, but I love sharing it. So people have to, this idea of modern concerts i want to share the music i want people to hear what the harp is capable of and understand just think if someone could really play this instrument what it could do and 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 so and, and if you made as many mistakes as i do you too would
2: be humbled oh. wow so it's like everything that you're doing is in service of the music mm-hmm. yes yes yeah Yeah, fascinating.
0: Yeah, I I think that's inspiring to anyone who's playing. You know, if if you're humble in in your playing, um, I think that's encouraging to people who are afraid to to play because they don't want to make a mistake or they, you know. But to find that passion, I think you um, have said that it's really about wanting to let the harp speak or you know find the voice of the harp.
1: I I will say I've learned that the harp is, it is not an instrument to me. The harp is an icon. Hmm. It is, it is like the Ark of the Covenant or something. It—it it, it is. So I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful to have the instrument in my life. And, and it is really my, my full joy and inspiration now.
2: Hmm. So, Wow. So so do you feel like you, you you much prefer teaching and sharing on a personal level rather than the performance part of the music? Or you still like the performance, but actually if you were in a group just playing just for the fun of it?
1: I or- don't like playing in a group for the fun of it. I like playing solo or just with, with one person. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't I don't do sessions with the harp. I don't I don't hear it uh, and I, I also I don't want to play the four chord, the chord of the subdominant. The harpers didn't use it. They did hmm. the one and the five chord, no matter what mode they were in, the tonic and the five chord, and this is with that pew as well. They did not play the f- chord in the four chord position, the subdominant position. Instead, they did, they would add if they added more than the one and five, it would be the position of two or six. And the other system of chording is where you don't have one and five, but you have neighboring chords, say A minor and G, uh, and and neighboring chords, so they don't share a note with each other. Mm,
0: that's interesting. So Karen Loomis um, wanted me to ask you about the photograph of you holding the um, the downhill harp, like the real one, not the replica, in playing position, and then another of you holding um, the O'Fogarty harp. Um, so... What what was that like holding those those historic instruments? Two different occasions
1: and this was before the Guinness Harp was at the Guinness storehouse and and um they had another place and I came in to see and they went in the back room and gave me the harp and mm-hmm. I was in the lobby and sat there and my I had stocking feet on and held the harp and I was on a low couch. And I could just sit there and hold it. It had strings on. There was no, you can't do this or Mm. don't do that. But uh, I knew the tuning of the harp. And there were strings, floppy strings. Mm. But I knew where Coley was. And I started playing Mm. uh, O'Hampsey's Downhill's uh, Dennis O'Hampson's harp. And so I played O'Hampsey's. Burns March and and just swarming it out and I felt I felt like uh, the harp was like Black Beauty and it would recognize that someone mm. knew it someone recognizes me from my old days these are these are my old vibrations <laughs> <laughs> that's you know isn't there but but it was it was just really really nice to do mm. um, when, when was that maybe 1981, and, and the O'Fogarty harp, man, we went and, and it was the House of the Ryans, the, the place of the Ryans where O'Fogarty Castle is, and the castle is run down and fallen in, and the Ryans uh, had fixed up the back house to be sort of a country cottage for them. They were living in England. We went to the big house, and this is where the O'Fogarty was stored. And it was in their attic, just sitting in their attic, nothing wow. special with it. And they were moving. They were emigrating to Australia the next day, and they were moving out of the house. Wow. And they brought me the O'Fogarty harp, and Charlie was there. And we picked it up, and it was really heavy. Hmm. And, and uh, I, I thought, yeah, this is over over 50 pounds. And Joan Rimmer wrote wrote an article that I wasn't aware of where she does weigh some of the harps and it's in that vicinity, maybe more Hmm. heavy harp. But Jay Witcher had visited the harp earlier with Grania and had put brass, modern brass wire strings on the instrument. Wow. And so, you know, it, it it was there, there were no rules. They just left us with a harp. So I thought, hmm. And so I tuned one string up in the mid-range, just one, up to what I felt was a good tension and heard the sound, mm. brought it back down. Then I tuned, I tuned the upper string, a higher string up to appropriate tension to hear the sound, tune it down. And I did the same thing lower. And it sounded very much like what I thought a wire strung harp should sound like of Jay Witcher's harps. Mm. So that that was that was really, really
2: need to do they were going to australia the next day what did they what did they do with the harp did they bring it over to the library thanks for asking kathy i forgot to say this
1: i thought about it and then ran out of story there so we went to the house of uh, of the castle where the older couple were and they were leaving right they were leaving Uh, The next day they were driving, I think maybe to Dublin to say somewhere, but they were leaving and they put the harp in their car and, and, and were driving it and they were going to donate it to a museum in, in England because Ireland couldn't properly take care of it. Wow. And I was distressed. I didn't want it to go there. So I called Grania Yates and asked her to intercede for me because, you know, she's a person who has Connections and I thought she could maybe do something, mm. and lo and behold, that didn't happen. Maybe it was stopped. I don't think Grania stopped it. I don't think she acted on it. But then, then the harp ended up in in the the library.
2: Yeah. And, oh. it's, it's amazing that they didn't. They want to take it to England, mm. so because they didn't want to leave it behind, and you know. But here they had had it in the attic.
1: But, right. It was in the attic, but no, it can't possibly stay in Ireland. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. It, it, it's and and we didn't record it. This is the thing. Like, duh. You know, so so many of these experiences and things we've done aren't aren't recorded on video, and they're just sort of up here. This is on harps, especially. Uh, Klar-Shuk's is mm. is very high, and and so what is left to us is really a uh, carcass. Mm. And 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 it doesn't really make sense to rebuild them because they're so different. It's better to just leave them be and make reasonable reasonable uh, replicas. And sometimes it's it's great to try a holier than thou uh, copy, but but. Wood is different and the same wood isn't available in every piece, even if it's the same species or grew in the same years or in the same locality, it's, it's all very different. And there's things about the process that we don't know.
0: Sure. Sure. So, uh,
1: and, and I care more about when I started, I didn't have a one piece soundbox harp and it was slab box construction, but I've welcomed going to one piece soundbox harp because, because it, it, to me, that is, that is what I want. And the downhill that Jay Witcher uh, formed for me, and I, I did the final carving on it and the tuning and things. Um, he did it out of one piece of wood, and I don't know how I talked him into it because he was refusing. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's because he didn't want everybody to ask him for such favors.
0: So I, um, I do. I don't know if you know Sandra Joyce from the.
1: Certainly, certainly.
0: So she yeah. she was just so thrilled that I uh, would be uh, speaking with you today. She she said that um, she actually has her students listening um, to this podcast. So she's fascinated by the amount of research that you do on on your playing and your performing and your recording. Um, and she's also enamored of how you approach arranging your tunes. So um, I guess I mean we did discuss a little bit of that, but. Um, Yeah. So she sends her love. I don't know if you wanted to talk a little bit about, um, you know, any of that, but I think we really, we did get into a lot of your arranging. It's really based a lot on on the fingering too, and the the cross hands and uh, unless you want to elaborate on that, of course.
1: Oh, it is. It is very, very much so on the, I'm calling it alternating hands, but I I was very tempted to call it integrated hands Mm. because what happens in doing this is that the melody pops between being played in the tenor and, and more in the treble, but they can follow really closely. So uh, like in Carolyn, I might start and 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 it's the low octave and follow so quickly with the, the treble that it sounds like just a lovely ornament going from the treble. It, it does ear tricks. Mm. And, and so, it stems from there, and then then with the, the the drones. But that that's quite a compliment from from Sandra Joyce. Oh, absolutely!
0: Uh, yeah, everyone that I have contacted to ask if they had questions for you, their their first thing was just how inspired they are by all of your your work and the love that you put into everything that you do. So, thank
1: thank, thank you. I'm, I I really think that to understand. The style that was played one has to understand this left hand orientation and what it really means it doesn't mean just playing on the left shoulder mm. you see it's the 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 right hand plays on the stress notes even like in playing uh short long it's da da like the scottish snap you see
2: just give me a sense and of um what would you consider a highlight of your career you, you've talked about your aha moments, but, you know, something that, you know, you're really proud of, you know, at this point in your life, even though I know you're still evolving your technique and you're still still learning more. But if there is one thing that you can point to and said, yeah, I'm I'm glad I did that. That made that made a real difference.
1: Well, Granard made a real difference because it made me start taking what I was doing seriously. You know, I, that I wasn't following in someone's footsteps and it didn't matter. It made me feel responsibility. So that was the thing. Hmm. Discovering playing with coupled hands was a real aha thing. And it was through through Peebrook. And and when I recorded the Peebrook uh, Lament for the Harp, to me, I, I actually thought, okay, I don't have to do another thing in my life. I've done my duty. And I'd always felt there was something that I, I had a calling for, and I didn't know what it was, but I was ready to devote my life to something. And my worry was that I would miss my calling, hmm. if, you, if you see what I'm saying. And, and, and I felt, ah, I've done it. I don't have to do anything more. I could do more, but it's just icing in the cake. Hmm. I've done my thing, relax. And then time went on, and then there were other things to do. And you don't know when another breakthrough is going to happen. And they are a gift hmm. when they happen. And and so I'd say after that, the after doing the peabrook, um, I got I, I, I got drawn into other things. I was I was involved in, in other aspects of the harp. And after doing that, I got involved with doing uh, the Tell and Ron, the horsehair harp, and I learned so much from that. So, doing the Tell and Ron project, and of which I haven't released the the recordings yet, mm. but of of doing them and building the instrument and and uh, and premiering it at Brecon Cathedral and playing at Tewksbury Abbey and 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 also I'd been asked by an academic, David Howlett. Who is a classics pro- was a classics professor. He's emeritus now, but he headed the Latin dictionary at the Bodleian Library. The new Latin dictionary. with seven PhDs working under him, and he d- he works in in Old Irish and all of uh, all sorts of early languages. Is really he he had uh, prayers by uh, an eighth century. Welsh cleric, Mogani, and it's in Britannic. And he heard the Crits recording, and he called me. I answered the phone. He introduced himself and said what he was working on and that he wanted us to perform these nine prayers in Britannic. Hmm. And it, there's no music, but that I was to compose the music for it. And I said, well, I'd love to do this, but it needs to be done with... Telenron, the Clar isn't the right instrument. And so he's the one who helped set the whole project of the Telenron, uh, getting it set up with, with a a patron in Wales who got together horse owners who would send me tail hairs from their horses so I could, you know, have and, and so the harp that I premiered in Wales had each string was made from a different Welsh horse. Hmm.
0: So here is a rare treat. Uh, thanks to the generosity of Anne, um, we are going to hear one of her performances on the Telerand. And this is the Song of Gwendolyn's Slumber. This is from the Robert Ape Hugh manuscript from the 16th century. And again, this recording is not released as of yet. So I am hoping that I can work with Anne to help her get... Uh, these tracks out for 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 all of you to to listen in their entirety
1: Just this wonderful thing, and so we got to perform those pieces that that I'd composed there, but also from the penponta Antiphonal, uh, a Welsh uh, psalter. Uh, in 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 England, had ordered uh, all of the the Catholic books be destroyed, and at Brecon Cathedral, they had the penponta Antiphonal and they hid it. They didn't huh. destroy it, and it survived. Survived to today. And so there are three pieces in there that are connected with St. David, and they don't have correspondences in other uh, plain chant groups. So we worked with those and performed those mm-hmm. too at Brecon Cathedral where it had been saved. Wow. And I don't know if anyone had done those and, and not on harp. So, I mean, that, that's just a thrill.
0: Oh, you know? yeah. And combining your two loves of the harp and horses too. <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah, this, you know, working with uh, mare's uh, rawhide for the, for the skin around the harp mm. and equine bone tuning pins, wow. and I make the strings right on the harp, string it up, and the pins come in from the left side, and the bray pins come from above. This early harp, the peg holds this string in, and you can turn it, and this way you can create chromatic notes. You can create your B natural from your B flat by pressing in on the bray, you do lose the bray sound, but you hmm. get your chromatic. Wow. And you could also press it up uh, on the neck and keep a bray sound as well. Wow. So it, it and, and that would give your right hand the ability to play and press, press and play playing on the left shoulder. You see how oh, well that
0: works? Wow. For the melody. Oh yeah. When people want to find out more about what you do, where, where can they find you? Or if, if people want to take lessons with you,
1: I'm, I'm trying i'm you guys have made me very busy <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> and I'm, but um that i couldn't say no <laughs> I have a couple of days, say no so, um i do have openings for students but i'm trying to get this in the second manner out and as i go in things get more and more evolved uh, involved and the finish line. The finish line gets further and further in the future, and uh, so I'm working on sort of trying to rein it back in, so to speak. I don't know when it'll come out. I have no, I no idea, but I have a. I've been working on it, but my students, I have kind of too many students for me to do enough work on it, and and then then I have a student who's gotten me back involved in making another Telenron because currently my Telenron is. In pieces mm. in Galway and it's been eight years and and it's it's time and and working with App pew with her so I, I get in these different directions mm. so I get too busy and I need to I don't know when the book will be done oh,
0: but, And do, do you have any plans on on releasing the the Teleron um recordings that you have
1: e- Yes, I'd like to, but we don't have them videotaped. We only have them recorded. We had a whole CD recorded, mm. and then our computer hard drive and backup hard drive went totally ate it. We sent things to one uh, a clean room like what the FBI uses, or, <laughs> and and they couldn't save anything. Oh wow! And we had th- I think three three pieces that are there to be released, and 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 and. And, and that's good, and I want to, but I don't know how to do it in releasing singles and how, how to do it with just a, a CD and not a – I don't know if someone can help me in how to release the track. I mean, hmm. you know, they're just single s- singles, but I would like to do that. And even though it's from my old approach, there's value in the music, and it was getting close. It was getting close, but it's on the, the town Ron, and I, I'd like to do that because – it has a, has a cool sound.
0: And that was recorded in the cathedral, of those recordings?
1: There and also in Wales at uh, Trudustin Court, the house where our patron was.
0: And, and your recordings are all available on your website? Or most of your recordings people can find on your website if they want to kind of delve in, you know, dive into your...
1: Our website is in terrible shambles, I think. It hasn't had any work done on it for... Eons, it might work, and and uh, but you know we we do have CDs that we can send out. Some are sort of like uh, we run out of of Queen of Harps. We have Crit Gonors, which is really my my favorite, but I also love Queen of Harps, and I also love Harper's Land, mm. and it was done with really good intention. And Alison Canard is there, and uh, she I, I really appreciate her treatment of the music. Mm.
0: Um, I just want to get your music in as many people's hands as possible. (laughs) That's my motive. (laughs) Oh, I think Kathy has to go in a little bit. Do you want to, did you want to say anything before you have
2: to leave Kathy? And I just want to, I just want to congratulate you on just having this historic career that I, I think has been an inspiration to so many opened so many doors for people in the early music, early harp. Um, And, um, you know, I I am uh, proud to be able to give you the uh, Somerset Lifetime Achievement Award, and uh, we're going to do some little video again when I get the award. We'll do some kind of a little virtual, I'm going to mail it to you, and we'll do some little virtual, you know, little award ceremony that we can present to everybody at the festival, um, give you your due. Mm. Is um, oh. anybody who deserves a lifetime achievement award for all the effort that they've put in. I, it's, it's definitely you. Mm. So. Absolutely.
1: Thank you, Kathy. I think I've got a couple of teardrops on
0: me. My- <laughs> <laughs> so, um, um, but yes, thank you so much for being here to 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 chat with me today, and I just love your your stories and the inspiration. And then I I love that you're constantly inspired by just everything that you're you're doing, whether it's teaching or performing or your research, and it all just kind of like comes together. Um, that is just so beautiful and wonderful. And like I said, I'm serious. I think I, I want more people listening to your music so so you can inspire even more people with your rich knowledge and, and 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 talent so um thank you so so much for for your time and and uh i really appreciate you being here thanks for listening to moon over the trees music and theater productions podcast dive into the show notes at moon dot com and if you enjoyed the show please share it with a friend and subscribe to the podcast.